Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. All right, welcome back to On the Table Gaming. And uh, this week we have a special episode in which we are recording in person. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to over Discord. That's right. We're using the same microphone about 12 inches apart. So this is like a lady in the tramp moment. It's a, it's a, a very intimate reading and discussion yeah. <laughs> of the Free Folk units available. Exactly. Uh, so as I said, we're going to be talking about the Free Folk. And uh, they've got some really cool units. I'm so excited to be playing the Free Folk. I don't know about you, Josh. Yeah, I'm excited to kill a bunch of Free Folk units. <laughs> I think that's what I'm most excited about. But it's going to be really fun to see a, a completely different style of army than what we've seen so far. And I mean, even their basic unit is something unlike anything else we've seen. Yes. So that's the, the Free Folk Raiders. So they come in at a whopping three points. So for those of you keeping a square at home, that's two points cheaper than the next cheapest unit in the game currently available. Uh, but what's interesting about them is they can only be fielded in pairs. So you have to take them in increments of two units. So it's kind of like a six-point unit where you get a bonus unit for free. Uh, now they've got a speed of five. Uh, they go from six to five to three, and they hit on a four plus. They've got a five plus armor save and an eight plus morale save. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> now their special ability is gang up. This unit's melee attacks get plus one to hit when attacking an enemy engaged with another friendly unit. And lastly, insignificant, this unit is not worth... Uh, victory points from victory through combat which is hugely significant yes um yes so i mean i don't know i'm so excited first impressions of this i i think it's really cool to have a swarm army yeah. and and uh there's been some problems people ring up if you take all free folk raiders you actually can't fit them all in the deployment zone <laughs> you have to deploy them sideways right so you know that's a potential problem if you're going to spam them. Yes. Um, but, I mean, it just adds such a cool new dynamic. And so those flanking rules, the maneuvering of units and trapping them, suddenly becomes like their main style of play. Um, and so this is such a cool unit that I'm so excited to get on the table. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, yeah, and with Game of Thrones, like those modes where it's only like a six-inch deployment zone from the board. But if you have like Feast for Crows where you have the 12-inch, then then you can start stacking them up. And, and I, I assume we'll have to have some more scenarios, hopefully some custom scenarios coming from the community soon uh, that'll take advantage of these guys. But yeah, I think it's a really interesting dynamic to have a unit that's literally, you know, the, on, on paper, they're not doing a ton, right? Like on their own. But when they start to gang up on a unit, then they start to look pretty scary. I mean, you're literally getting like two for the price of one and just starting to really uh, swarm and, and just tear down units that are going to be worth, you know, two or three times as much as these guys. Right. And the stats aren't that impressive, um, but you have to be thinking, okay, well, you're not, you're not really trying to fight one-on-one. -on -one, no. And you've got the gang of abilities. You're getting the plus one to hit. Yeah. But you're also then probably getting flank bonuses from the side or the rear. So those numbers really start to add up quickly. Mm -hmm. yeah. Plus, it's going to be hard to, to actually flank these guys in the first place because you figure there's going to be so many of them on the board that you're not really going to get ideal charges. Plus you know, you're probably going to be out-activated by a Free Folk army. I mean, you're probably going to get two to one on, on activations, uh, especially with, you know, if they take a ton of these guys, you know, you're going to be seeing, you know, you're basically going to activate your whole army and you're going to have to watch <laughs> the Free Folk player play by themselves for like 10 minutes. So it's going to be really, uh, really interesting to deal with that. One of the big things that stands out, though, is that morale of eight plus. That's that's yeah. going to really hurt. You have a corpse pile nearby. You know, you hit them, mm -hmm. they're rolling, they get some minuses, add some Lannister supremacy or something, and they will be running away rather quickly. So yeah. uh, that's something to watch out for. Cer Cersei taking the crown space Oof. is going to be pretty dirty. Uh, <laughs> but don't forget now, the morale is only going to, you know, the, it affects the dice roll, not the actual stat. So the most they can lose to morale is it's only eight guys, Chase. So it, o Only yeah. eight guys. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll still have some guys. Uh, they'll have four lonely soldiers uh, left there at the end. 
And uh, now, so they also have some other units besides the Free Folk Raider that are a little bit more elite, but uh, elite means something very different in the Free Folk Army than, say, in the Night's Watch case. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the cool units they have that I, I really like is the Free Folk Trappers. Now, it's a four-point unit, and it's infantry, and it's a unit that has a short-range attack with a bow and melee, and so the, the, the Wildling bow is short-range, four-plus to hit, six, five, three, They've got their Trapper's Blades, which are hitting on a 5-plus at 6-5-3, so not so great yeah. in melee. <laughs> uh, they've got 6-plus, uh, as I like to say, invulnerable save. 8-plus yeah, yeah. morale as well. But what's really cool about them is that in addition to the Wildling Bow and being insignificant, they've got an order, Hidden Traps. So when an unengaged enemy within long range moves, that enemy suffers D3 wounds and triggers a disorderly charge on rolls of 2 or less this turn. So this is this is kind of phenomenal. Yeah. Um, this is the anti-wolf army, right? This is the this is the unit that's just going to be like if you have a wolf that moves anywhere within, you know, twelve inches in a circle of death around this guy, a very likely chance that it's going to die because it's wounds, it's not hits. Oh, and uh, that disorderly charge. I mean, that can really mess up some some key plans when you're trying to get your the enemy's trying to charge in and, and uh, finish off a unit or get to a key position by wiping out forces. You know, yeah. having them not get those rerolls on the attack, that's going to add a lot of longevity to your units. Yeah, I mean, uh, essentially doubles the chance of hitting a disorderly charge, and especially figure what if they have to go through like uh, rough terrain and they oh. have to roll two dice. You know, then you have quadrupled your chance of triggering a disorderly charge. So. It's definitely, I mean, these guys are going to be so good at just messing with your opponent's ability to do anything nearby, right? I mean, think about, like, the mountain that rides. You know? Oh, man, yeah. He's just dead. He go, he, I mean, you have two units of these guys at eight points, and, you know, he he marches in and he takes two D3 hits, or two D3 wounds. Ooh. Now, here's a question then, actually. When an unengaged enemy with long-range moves, that, can you do... It's a single trigger off that then, right? Correct. So a unit moves, so you can only activate one of these on that unit. It must be a single I, trigger, I would think right? it would be a single trigger, yeah. right? Because that's how it works for most of the tactic yeah. cards is that you have like one triggered ability. You can't have multiple things trigger off right. of that one ability. So maybe, so you know, if those of you out there that were dreaming of just spamming this unit and like deleting units every turn, mm-hmm. being like, oh, you move? Well, take a 12 D3 wounds. <laughs> you know, not quite that good, but still doing automatic wounds, especially against things like well, solos of any sort yeah. is, is going to be hugely significant. Yeah, solos. And I mean, even just high armor targets like Flight Man, you're like, okay, cool. You got a two plus armor save. Guess what? Take, so Take three wounds. So what I wonder then is, is this also a unit that's uh, going to be helpful for dealing with cavalry? Uh, yeah. Because really, there's nothing that's going to be running down cavalry in any great speed. Is this a way to start putting that damage out there? Well, I think if, I, if I'm using cavalry and I see these guys anywhere nearby, what my plan would be would be hopefully I'm outside of that 12-inch bubble. I take my, well, no, because you take your free maneuver and then you'd be within, no, well, when they're within long-range moves. So you'd have to be outside of the 12-inch bubble at the beginning of your position. But then, I mean, it doesn't count your maneuvering into it, right? Right, but then you take a move. No, because then you take a charge. I would think oh, you're like, I'm you're thinking right. you're like 13 inches away. You're right. Okay. So you take a maneuver into you know pretty close distance. You roll your d6, and hopefully you charge into these guys. And I mean, they're going to fold pretty quick. That's that. That would be, I think, the you know perfect scenario is is using cavalry against these guys. I mean, the problem is these guys are probably going to be also surrounded by a right. whole bunch of <laughs> other stuff. Because you know, even then, these guys are four points, so it's like still the 
you know, right. if this came out today, it'd be the cheapest unit you right. can get. The, you know, your nine point unit of something trying to, to run down this one unit. And it's right. like, sure. Okay. Why don't you commit to that? Yeah. And then I, I will see, I will see that and I will raise you three uh, units of Raiders, <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty scary. Like the, you know, it, it basically, what it does is it gets you to the point where that initial engagement that you normally make is where you're like, okay, I'm going to set up my attacks, get as close mm-hmm. as I can. And then, you know, hit pretty high percentage charges. Now it's kind of like, you want to be like, all the way out or all the way in, right? It's like, you know, it's like fighting an MMA guy who's a kicker. You, know, you want to make sure <laughs> that you're like either within range where you can't be kicked by him or you're so far away that he can't kick you. And I think that's the same sort of style here is that these guys, it's going to be really challenging to play that game. Luckily, you know, in this game, you can pre-measure, so that'll help a little bit. Another really interesting kind of elite unit is the Free Folk Spearwives. Yeah, so these guys are a five-point unit. Uh, they've got a speed of five. Uh, they've got two different abilities. One is the Spear Toss, which is a short-range uh, ranged attack. Uh, it's a hits on a four-plus. It goes from seven to seven to three. Uh, then they've also got Crude Spear, which is their melee attack. It's a four-plus, and it goes seven, seven, three. Uh, they've got an armor save of five plus and a morale of seven plus. So already we're seeing things are starting to uh, get better here. Seven plus, that's, that's elite. These <laughs> yeah, are elite. Exactly. Uh, so then they've got their uh, their crude spear ability. Uh, their melee attack is when charging, this attack gains sundering. So, you know, they're getting a little bonus offensive output when they charge into melee attack, which is pretty cool. So these are going to be kind of the unit you're hoping to, to jump in and finish off units. So you kind of pin something down and then they charge in and, and push the damage out. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe that's where it's going to be fun to practice how to best use your activation spam. Mm-hmm. So really you want to sit on this unit as long as you can so that you know you can get in there and get those final hits off. Exactly. And, and I think what's going to be interesting here is that, you know, this is the cheapest unit that has Sundering in the game. I mean, granted, it's like kind of like, like I think you called it like crappy Sundering. <laughs> it's, <laughs> crude, it's crude Sundering. Yes, at least. yes, exactly. So it's like, you know, it, it's, it's Sundering that works some of the time. But, I mean, these guys could definitely clean up, uh, you know, when you're having a unit that's tied up with a bunch of other stuff, and then these guys kind of just take their time, get around somebody, and use all your free activations to just wait until the right opportunity, and then, you know, get a rear charge with these guys with the spear, and, and they can definitely uh, do a lot of damage. I mean, uh, for five points, I would say they're they're pretty tasty. They got, a, you know, a short-range attack technically, too, so they can, you know, do it without even having to be in close combat. It's pretty nice. Card art's awesome on this one. So are the models. Uh, really cool sculpts. I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to actually having the physical units to paint, uh, but in particular for this unit. You're going to need a lot of, like, like shades of brown. I yeah. Think. Is that- yeah. <laughs> All right. And then we get the, the really, the fun toys here. Oh my gosh. Uh, the Savage Giants. Now a seven point monster and uh, it is a monster. Uh, so it has one attack uh, and it's called Mighty Swing and it hits on a two plus with one die. Now the way this attack works though is if the attack generates any hits, so you roll that one die, if you get a hit with it, instead of rolling defense dice, the defender just suffers D3 plus one wounds and they add plus one additional wound for each wound on the giant model. Uh, so the giant has five wounds to start, so it could really end up doing uh, a D3 plus one wound plus an additional four wounds if it's on its last life. So D3 plus five, that's, that's pretty significant. And, yeah. and it's, it's uh, wounds, not hits. Yeah. So the giant itself, five wounds, and when it suffers a wound, uh, it only takes wounds when you get two hits. So to actually do five wounds to the giant, you need to generate 10 hits to get it through. Otherwise, uh, it's suffering, you know, one wound at a time uh, that might go away. So, And and it's actually actually even better than that, really, because it's not just 10 hits, but it has to be, you know, 10 10. in sets of two. Yes. Because if you deal three hits to it, 
you're really doing one wound and then that third hit is just wasted. That doesn't go anywhere. Uh, and so it's going to be pretty resilient. You know, I think like you see five wounds, you're like, ah, it's not that much, but it actually is kind of a lot. Uh, you know, the armor save of four plus, you know, is, is decent. The three plus morale is, is amazing. extremely good, right? That's going to be hard to screw up, even yes. with Lannister somehow uh, <laughs> lay a bunch of stuff on you. But Giants don't care about Cersei. No, no. So, I mean, it's going to be a really cool unit to see there. And again, I think this is a really good unit against, you know, other things that are like a single unit, like a mountain that rides or a wolf or anything that has like, you know, that doesn't want to take wounds, like something that's a smaller unit that has high armor. So, you know, cavalry is another great uh you know, attack of opportunity. I think these guys are going to be super sweet. And I mean, what's so cool is that you can, you can sit on them, right? You have so many activations. Yeah. You wait till things get tied down. And then when you're ready, you, you bring in the savage giant and you start smashing things. Really, it's going to also be cool being able to maneuver them because they're a smaller base. Uh, they're on that solo unit tray. So they're going to be able to slide around into spaces that maybe other units are having a hard time navigating. They can hide within your units. Yeah. Um, really, it's going to be fun to see what sort of play style comes out of here. Now, the, when you buy them, you get two in a box. Um, so I'm expecting a lot of lists to have two giants in them. Sure. Um, and I wonder if that'll be the norm or if there'll be some other variations where you run a one giant list or a four giant list or something like that. Um, I don't know if there's any restrictions on the number you can actually have. I think the the uh, the Night's Watch we found at the Scorpion had restrictions on how many you could field in an army. Maybe oh. that'll be the same for giants. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't... I don't think so. I mean, there might be. Uh, we'll probably find out when the Free Folk releases. But, I mean, for now, I think, you know, I would say taking two of these and a whole ton of other stuff, you know, a couple of uh, Spearwise, a couple Trappers, a couple of Raiders, you know, you're going to have an army that's going to be able to have tons and tons of activations. And then when it really matters, you know, you'll be able to use the Giant and, and really put out a lot of damage. It's going to be super cool. And those are the, the base core units that we know for the Free Folk. All right, so now we're going to talk about the NCUs available for the Free Folk. We see some things that have been hinted at for a while that we hadn't known the stats for, and we're getting all this information right now off of a song of ice and firebuilder.com. Make sure to check them out. And uh, the first one here we got is Craster, Ally of Convenience, a three-point NCU available for both the Free Folk and the Night's Watch, and his ability, Refuge and Supplies, when Craster claims a zone on a tactics board, you may replace its effect with draw one tactics card and restore up to two wounds to a friendly combat unit. Yeah. I mean, so that's, that's not bad. I mean, flexibility, I, I really like these replacement effect uh, NCUs because what it does is it gives you the option. If you, if you've got nothing that you really need, you know, like let's say it's like turn one or something and, and you know, all that's left is the money sign. It's like, okay, well I don't have any condition tokens. I don't have any wounded. So, you know, there's nothing I can really do. This is a great way to go. Okay. Well, instead I'm going to go ahead and, you know, draw a tactics card. Right. Absolutely. Um, and a little bit of, you know, wound healing is nice, too, because, like, if you've got your, your giants are starting to take some damage, uh, maybe the money bag symbol got, cut, you know, got uh, replaced already. So now <laughs> you want to swap in your guy and just stick two more wounds on that giant. I have a feeling people are going to be uh, watching that zone because wealth <laughs> healing up your giants. I feel like that's going to be a priority in a lot of oh, cases. Yeah. So because um, three wounds to a giant is like six. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like by default double. And so. Uh, that's going to be pretty good. And and I think another thing about this is that it's a three-point NCU, which, I mean, I don't know about you, but I love Absolutely. cheap NCUs. I mean, they're, it's such a, you know, points are so tight, especially when we normally play it like the sort of regular size game of 40 points, uh, that three points is really going to give you a lot more flexibility to take more elite units. And uh, if you love three-point NCUs, 
I do. Well, well then you're going <laughs> to love this next one. Yeah, so uh, Lady Val, the wildling princess. Uh, so she is Lady of the Wilds. When Val claims a zone on the tactics board, you may replace its effect with the effect of the maneuver zone instead. What was I saying before about uh, I like replacement effects? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just another thing where, like, you're going to, again, have a ton of units. You know, you might not get your first choice of, uh, you know, tactic zones and depending on how you're playing. And so this just gives you another, you know, flexible piece where you go, you know what? I'm going to be able to just, if, even if you claim the maneuver zone, no problem. I'll just, you know, I'll just make it myself. Right. And so trying to prevent the uh, free folk from surrounding you and cutting off escapes or bogging down your key units can be really, really difficult yeah. with NCUs like this. Yes, exactly. So I, I really like Val. I think, you know, again, three-point NCU, replacement effect, a strong replacement effect, especially in the army that she's in. I think, you know, so far, these guys are all great. And, and one more thing to mention about NCUs generally with the uh, free folk is that, you know, you're going to have extra points left over because everything else is so cheap. So it's going to be nice. You could very easily run three NCUs uh, that are cheaper and then have cheap army units. You're going to have a ton of just everything. So many activations. <laughs> and so it, it, it's actually kind of funny because then Mance uh, Raider, uh, this final NCU here, um, he kind of stands out then. Being at four points, I was like, four points? That seems like it's so much. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, no. These So far, everything else has just been so cheap. Right. Um, so Mance Raider, the artful tactician, uh, his ability, skillful preparations. So it's an influence effect. And when this unit claims a tactic zone, you attach the influence, and uh, you get to put out a condition token of your choice and while influencing a unit, that unit suffers penalties based on the number of condition tokens on them, and the effects are cumulative. So if they have one plus tokens, it's minus one to their attack die and minus one movement. If they've got two or more tokens, negative one to hit on all attacks. If there's three or more tokens, the unit loses all abilities. So you could potentially have a situation where an enemy unit has negative one to hit, negative one movement, negative one uh, die to hit, and then no abilities. Right. Um, so you can really kind of start to <laughs> shut things down. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take some time, right? Because, you know, you have to do this like... I mean, you have other ways of attaching, you know, applying condition tokens to, right. to a unit. So, you know, certainly taking a tactic zone, you know, you can, in one turn, apply two tokens to the same unit and influence them, and you're already at, you know, level two, DEFCON two of, of this <laughs> And, I mean, you're, it's really going to be a powerful way to neuter, you know, whatever your best unit is. Well, guess what? Now it's minus one attack, minus one move, minus one to hit, and you have no abilities. So if you throw in, you know, Knights of Casterly Rock and, you know, you have a, a mountain that rides in there uh, right. as an attachment, you know, suddenly they're going to be slow. They're hitting less often. They're going to have less attack dice generally, and they have no abilities. So when they charge in, it's just like, okay, fine. Now you're rolling five dice at top ranks because you don't have your uh, spear ability. I mean, it's going to be uh, pretty awesome if you, if you pull it off. And it's getting uh, your opponent is going to have to be thinking about that then and, and uh, maybe adjusting, waiting with their NCU to try and claim certain zones. Uh, but because you've got so many activations, um, in a lot of ways you're going to be able to outplay them, I think. So, I don't know. I just love the way the Free Folk army and the theme is sort of manifesting in this game. Yeah. Um, and it, it just makes you really excited for the future. I mean, I'm going to be playing Free Folk for quite some time, so I don't think there's another faction I probably am as excited about as this. But... Um, you know, there's so much design space that they're unpacking here. I think for future factions, I, I have a lot of hope now that they'll really have these unique identities and flavors because it's so well encapsulated here. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things we were talking about with Ash at the in the previous podcast was just like, I think when you match the flavor with a mechanic, that's when it feels the best is when you have something that feels like it's supposed to. And I think the Free Folk are really good for that. It's just that they feel like the Free Folk 
like you would imagine them to, right? And it's going to be, I think it's going to be one of the more expensive uh, <laughs> armies to collect because For you are sure. going to need twice as many trays of guys. Uh, but you know, once you build it up, it's going to be, it's going to be really something to see on, on the table. I think it's going to be super awesome. And I'm kind of excited to see, uh, I'm looking at this as an opportunity for me to think more about maneuvering. Uh, and there's been some interesting questions on the forums about like legal charges and positioning. And I'm starting to think maybe there will be something like, uh, an X-wing, like flying in formation. Are there going to be formations that you want to use with your free folk where you can kind of like conveyor belt enemies down, like slide them 50%, slide them 50%. Are there weird sort of shenanigans and uh, sort of tricks that yeah. you can use? It, that, that's going to be uh, another sort of interesting wrinkle in these guys. I remember like the first time somebody invented like the pinwheel formation in X-Wing and it was like the options that are now available <laughs> instead of flying in a block. It's like everything's offset just slightly, you know, or angle everything like at like 32 degrees, you know. Uh, so there's definitely some some, you know, interesting things coming, I think. Uh, especially in like higher level tournament play, which, you know, we're still very much at the outset of this game. And I think people are still very like exploring uh, how it should work. I would like to see some sort of definitive document or exploration on charges because there's times I think even you and I are just like, I feel like I know how this is supposed to work, but do I? Right. Because I've read a couple of conversations with like Alistair and uh, Don Schelke on the Discord channel and my head's just spinning. And it's like, I don't, I mean, I think I get it, but do I get it? Right. I feel like I'll look, even on like that cool mini or not forum, I'll go on there and there'll be like an official response from Chanel. And then I'll like, I'll read through the examples and I'll be like, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But then I'll like see some of the examples people give and I'll be like, wait, yeah. now I, I question everything. Like what's, what's going on here? So if they're in a line, I can charge them or I can't if it's set back slightly or I move them out of the way wait, sometimes. Like, yeah. It's just like, I don't get it. So, yeah, I think that I'd like to see something like really detailed with some corner cases because I think 99% of charges are very obvious how it, right. how it would and should resolve. And I think that those are very easy to clear up. And uh, it's just those weird ones where you're like, huh. And then, you know, yeah. And, and having looked at some of those weird examples, like especially with so many units, could you just start playing oh, yeah. by like setting those up? Yeah. And then it's like, well, wait, what happens now? Like, yeah. We normally want to have like I got a five unit army or four unit army like it doesn't come up that many times. Right. But if you're having like I've got ten units on my side, yeah. Like you can start getting some weird situations set up. Well, I mean, thinking back to X Wing, I mean, if you ever played against somebody who's playing a Tie Swarm, right? right. Like where you literally like they have eight <laughs> times as many ships as you do, and you're like, well, geez, Louise, like we have to like resolve these super complicated order of operations. Right. Uh, and I think you know even then there's like th that was pretty straightforward in terms of where ships should end up. But with this, with the charging stuff, I think it's definitely, it would be nice to see something like a, a flow chart or an if-then sort of thing, just to really break that down into like some really, really detailed sections. I think that would be helpful. And uh, maybe we'll put together some videos for that going forward in the future. And if yeah. you're in the community and you feel like you've got a really strong grasp on this, maybe you're the game designer or something and, and you want to reach out to us and, and help us put some stuff together, we are more than happy to help put stuff in a visual format. And uh, it'd be great to get some additional clarification yeah. as well. And by uh, we, Chase means Chase will do well, <laughs> I'll, I'll do some will, of the computer work. I will just take credit for it post-video <laughs> post release. Hey, there we go. It's a yeah. team, though. It's yeah. a team. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, on that note, I think, you know, thanks to everybody for all your support um, of subscribing to the podcast. It was really heartwarming. Someone was asking about, you know, hey, are there any podcasts for A Song of Ice and Fire? And a few people jumped in and were like, check out On the Table Gaming. And we're like, hey, that's us. And like, Sweet. It was, it was great to hear people talking about us. And uh, we appreciate all the feedback. And the criticism, uh, you know, we've been trying to up our production quality. Yeah. And, you know, ironically, 
we have a whole new system to make the audio sound better. And uh, we're, we're not using it for this episode. But <laughs> going forward. Right. Um, but we have the power of eye contact. That's true. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> uh, and uh, there will be no episode uh, next week. Uh, we're going to be off celebrating for the holidays. And uh, we will be returning. And it's going to be free folk time. <laughs> so much free folk time. And so I'm really looking forward to getting games in. we got to still talk about the tactics cards. And there's a lot of community members that we've been talking to that we'd like to have come on the show and, uh, and make sure you guys all connect with. So um, make sure you're keeping an eye out, looking out there in the community. Who are the other big community content creators? Uh, we all want to help each other and help this game grow. And uh, you know, we appreciate you all for stepping up and supporting us and, and everybody. Uh, and we're having a lot of fun. We hope you guys are too. Yeah. So I guess, I guess <laughs> we got to say it then. Yeah. We, we hope you get your miniatures on the on table. The table.